gotta prove it. And they have salt. Prove what? As well as just heart. I'm not a mistake. You'll always have Paris. You know now why you cry. I'm gonna make them an offer, Kevin. It must have been one hell of a night we're about to go get them, Tiger. Alright, three, two, one. Alright, welcome back to Bring Us the Movies, everybody. Today's episode is going to be on Buck and the Preacher, classic Sidney Poitier movie. Sorry if I'm being a little cut right to the point. I got some shit to say about the Flash trailer. Let's just skip the, let's cut right into it. What did you think of the Flash trailer, Eric? Um, For one, I was kind of surprised mm-hmm. just because of everything that was going on with like Ezra and all that and just a whole bunch of nonsense going on with DC. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, this is actually a thing. Um, so I was, for one, surprised that it came out. And I saw the rumors were true. Well, they might have been confirmed, but I thought they were rumors because I didn't really look into them with uh, Michael Keaton. Of course, we're just going to address that out, out the gate, the elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, that's cool, I guess. I know this might be blasphemy, but I've never actually seen the Tim Burton Batman movies, and I don't have much interest in seeing them either. Yeah, um, I've seen them, and they're good, but like, yeah, you don't I'm not really, nostalgia reboot this late into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm also not really a huge Batman guy. Like, I like the Dark Knight movies. I like the latest Batman movie. Mm. I like Lego Batman. <laughs> yeah, Lego Batman. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I've never really been, like, huge into Batman, so maybe that's why. But I know this is, like, a big deal for a lot of people. I saw a lot of people nerding out about it. Um, and then also Ben Affleck is... I thought he was out as Batman. Oh, or was no. this recorded... Or was, was this filmed a long time ago, or... Let me, tell, let me put it... Let me just quote Pacino for a second. Just when he thought he was out... <laughs> they pulled me pulled back in. And here's the thing. All right. I just got it done with three 16-hour work shifts in a row. So I think I've earned a little ramble for once on this podcast. Right, lay, lay it on us. Yeah, so here's the thing. Warner Bros. is now my least, my new least favorite company. And that's because they've done countless, countless terrible things. They've blown money on nostalgia reboots starring pedophiles like Ezra Miller, and they've fired people who tried to make movies like Batgirl, and they've laid off animators, canceled their shows on HBO Max, and then... A little thing happened to me last night. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, all of them? They laid off a lot of workers. They laid off a lot of animators. They canceled a lot of animated shows. Like, like Harley Quinn? or Yeah, like Mid- that and Midnight Infinity and all kinds of stuff. I don't know if they canceled Harley Quinn, but mm-hmm. like, or Midnight Train, or Infinity Train, excuse me. But they used to say the state of arts right now. Man, I, I, I actually heard existence. a lot of those shows were getting good good um, reception, too. They were, and they canceled them because they weren't making Warner Bros. enough money. Good wow. butts. And, here's, and same with Batgirl. They didn't think it was going to make them enough money. Because they thought, you know what? People want to just see more of the same bullshit they've seen before and over again. But there's a thing. The Flash trailer doesn't start with a, you know, we're trying to do better now. It starts with a, why do you want to stay in this universe? Why do you want to keep on doing this, saving people? And let me get this straight, Warner Bros. You have the audacity to think that after all the bullshit you pulled, that I want to stay in your fucking dumbass (laughs) DC universe? Fuck you. Sounds a little meta to me. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, Ezra Miller's a piece of garbage. This movie looks like crap. The acting looks like it sucks. Effects look like they suck. I'm tired of superhero movies now. I'm tired of Warner Bros. now. But that's not really why I'm so over the line right now. Sorry if I'm a little angry, guys. I'm usually not. But I, like I said, three 16-hour work shifts. Keep in mind. So what I've noticed on Filmstagram, Film Instagram, for those who don't know, and Film Twitter, is that a lot of people seem to be Oh, this movie's gonna be awesome! I can't wait to see it. I don't care if it has Ezra Miller in it. He said the he said the thing. He said the I'm Batman again. Like they haven't said that for 15 fucking times in the last 10 years in 15 Batman movies. So let me get this straight, nerds. Let me listen here. Listen here, nerds. 
You got the audacity to, to make fun of me for liking stuff like The Last Jedi or Turning Red or Black Panther or everything ever all at once. All great movies, by the way. Yeah. I don't. I, some of them aren't better than others, but even if you don't like those movies, you know, whatever. But some people bully me. I was bullied in high school for liking that shit. Some of the <laughs> actors in those movies who did nothing wrong, keep in mind, were bullied off the internet for being fucking people of color or gay people or women or whatever the fuck else these nerds think is their stupid ass bottom line. But they have the audacity to tell me that I'm not a real Star Wars fan or I'm not a real film fan or whatever the hell else they think. And here's what I say to that. You know what that's like saying? It's like the Woody Guthrie's son Arlo's song Alice's Restaurant. You got the audacity to tell me that I'm not moral enough to join the frickin' Vietnam War and burn women and kids' houses and villages after being a litter bug? That's what I say to you nerds. Yeah, I'm not a real film fan. Neither the fuck are you. Sorry, that was, I had to get that off. That was a long time coming. I've, that's what happens when you keep a film nerd stuck in an industry with just superhero films and just industry abuse. I'm better now. That actually felt good. <laughs> All right, that was that was a good way to start the episode. Yeah, I think it was. Top, soft, up, fresh and fresh, <laughs> political and hot, just like we need to for this movie. You want to yeah. get into Bucking the Preacher? Absolutely. Yeah, great movie. Sydney Poitier's debut. I got a couple of notes for it. Uh, what do you think? Let's go. Let's start with your with your thoughts. I really really like this movie a lot. Like I I remember hearing about it a while ago. Um, I actually heard it from about it from Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, because it was one of his. Um, Sidney Poitier was actually one of his inspirations for like doing Django and stuff like that. Mm. And he was talking about it. And um, he actually consulted with with Poitier about making the film. And he was like, you know, he was questioning it. And then Poitier told him to just like, you know, go for it. And um, which was actually interesting to me. And it it made me go like, man, this guy, this guy, Sidney sounds pretty cool. He does. And so I I, I looked him up. He's actually he was really big back in the day. First black actor to win the best yeah. Oscar, like Oscar for best actor. Yeah, which is surprises me how little he's talked about yeah. now, especially in like the black community. Not many people like talk about him, and he's like very prominent in, in the the industry. He's um, amazing. He, yeah, like, he and was this a civil was, rights activist. He was he, yeah, absolutely. And and awesome. this movie really like showed his his talent and like what he could do and did for film and the industry and also you know people of color and like the representation and yeah. just like the the historical um context of everything this was really well made it was entertaining while also not being too you know light to the point where it, you know it, it took it, the issue seriously yeah but like absolutely not, it wasn't like you know like 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 it didn't like go over the line if that makes sense yeah like there were moments where i was like man i'm really enjoying this movie this is a cool western and then there were moments where i'm like man this is like really sad you know it wasn't like just you know too much of one or the other yeah it was still a, a good balanced experience but at the end of the day it was a very well made film yeah. that really made you like you know feel a lot of things but also entertained you at the end of the day yeah and it has a really cool backstory too so too yeah. so like portier was uh by this by this point in 72 when he made this movie it was a black western it, was one, it wasn't the first black western but it was one of the most important ones at the yeah. time because it was one of the first ones directed by a black director, and it was written by a, get this, written by a man named Ernst Kanoy, who is a Jewish POW camp and Holocaust slave labor camp survivor. Like, he wrote this after he survived, not after, not directly after, but he wrote, but he wrote this, with, I assume he wrote this with that context in mind of, yeah. yeah, you know, slavery is fucking terrible. And Poitier, a civil rights activist, and his producer and friend who stars as preacher Harry Belafonte, also knew this. So... Needless to say, what happens when you take uh, a civil rights activist, a Holocaust survivor, and a bunch of other awesome people and give them a Western? 
needless to say, you got an instant classic that not enough people have seen. Yeah. Like, holy crap. I was really impressed. Yeah. Which is like, it's really, what really, um, what was really cool to me is like saying in like the movie Nope, uh, Mm -hmm. which came out last year. Which was inspired by this. Yeah, absolutely. Very heavily inspired. Um, you see a poster of Buck and the Preacher um, in the background. Yeah. And it's like, it's not mentioned at all. You just like see it. And it's like, you you know, you're. If you know, you know. Yeah, okay. if you know, you know. And I was like, oh, that's that movie. I was hey, like, Warner Bros., you want to know how to do reference? You do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, that's so cool that like Jordan Peele put that in there because it's like, you know, considering the significance of that movie for like black filmmakers mm-hmm. and, and, you know, film in general was yeah. like really cool to see. Yeah. And it's really cool because like, what's like, it has this like, it, it, it has uh, a very specifically a black perspective, but like it often uses that to like kind of make commentary on and like change up the tropes of the Western. Here's an example of that. So like we start off with like Buck and the Preacher are two uh, two drifters kind of working to like like one, like Preacher is a drifter and Buck is like a, a gunslinging wagon master of this mm-hmm. these freed slaves. For those who don't know the story of this movie, it's about these freed slaves, and he's he and this, he teams up with this guy named the Preacher to go help them get across the land to. To move out to move out west so they can move away from the horrible sharecropping conditions of louisiana right on the way however they run into a bunch of racists and ex-confederates i think probably doesn't matter yeah they're bad anyways who um who are trying to to either well, well they're doing both they're trying to stop them from moving back trying to push them back and or kill them because that's what they do because right. they're because yeah because they can't do anything on on their own they need oh man we need these these no. farm hands <laughs> but the thing is this movie has, has does not like that because it knows the history of that is worse than than vile. So it also has, and what's interesting is that it. What I read from reading about Nope and like the history, the context of it is that it was one of the earliest films to actually address the the um uh what's, what's the word I'm looking for the solidarity between like different races, like sort so like what Fred Hampton discussed for uh for um his like his Black Panther Party in Chicago in the sixties, yeah. where it's like the Rainbow Coalition, and like you see this a little bit with like how. Buck and the preacher, they work with and the, and the other free slaves. They they work with um with Native Americans actually to to escape them. Yeah, that part was really like that part was really cool to me to see because yeah. especially considering how much they were like your people like help help them mm-hmm. uh, destroy my people da, da, da. and there's like we're not shooting we're not firing a gun we're not helping you yeah and like, like that scene you know you understand where they're coming from obviously yeah absolutely it's not, they're not wrong for how they're feeling but they also understand you know. There is they, they they find common ground in their in their plight and in their identity exactly and that's what's so interesting to me and so refreshing. And that part actually this. made me like kind of emotional. It's kind of like yeah. man, that's that's really cool to see. And like in, like there's so many moments. Like the great thing about this movie is like it it takes you through so many emotions that are like it's like it gets a catharsis, but it's also heart wrenching and it's also you know like it has comedy, but it's also horrific, but it's also sad and sweet and yeah. poetic. There's a there's a love story. There's a friendship. There's vile criminals. There's vile villains. I meant I didn't mean to say criminals. These people are criminals, but yeah, heads up. That's kind of a good thing in this movie. Uh, uh, so like, here's what I mean, here's what I mean by that. Like, you see like a scene where, um, uh, Ruth Buck's wife, played by Ruby D of Do the Right Thing, uh, who played mother sister and Do the Right Thing, uh, she mentions how, uh, like it, she wants to escape. It's like she, it's like she, while she understands why Buck is trying to help these people, and like mm. she is. And like, obviously he is in the right for wanting to help them. He's also like, look, I am tired. I want to go to Canada so we can just like, I want to run away because I don't want to live in this place anymore. It's a, it's a vile place filled with hate. She at one point says that racism is quote, like a poison soaked into the ground. Yes. Nothing has changed. And that's such a hard And she said scene. it, she says it twice. Yeah, it's such she a hard scene. She says it twice. Like, wow. And 
And but but you you see both their perspectives. Like you get why it's like that because yeah. they're not wrong. They've been through a horrible system that's that's oppressed them. And from that you see the 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 film does make light of like the the like it makes light like light of the big tree in it. But it's also more about but it's more than that. It's also about like like them forming their identity like regardless of that. It's also about them trying to like yeah. fight back and be their own people, which is so which is why the ending when like spoilers obviously but go see it before i spoil it it's three two one like when they get away to the field and they escape and it turns out bucket the creature are alive like that's so satisfying yeah like, it's one of the most satisfying endings i've seen since it was honestly like nope because like the whole shootout at the end they're like they're fighting like, like buck and creature are getting shot yeah and, like they're almost about to die i really thought that was i was like prepared for this tragic ending like, i was like no don't make them oh. but then but then spoilers the Native Americans are like, never mind. We like, we're gonna, we're gonna actually do something cool. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna not, like, we're gonna cool. Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Yeah, the Native Americans are like, yeah, white people, you fucking suck. Yeah. So they just t- they drive off the the raiders and stuff, and Buck and the preacher survive. Buck and the preacher then wave to the Native Americans. They show a moment of solidarity, like they wave back. It's an awesome ending. They survive. Yeah. And one other interesting thing I noticed is that. What's what's interesting about this movie is that right before the, this finale, so there's a, the white people don't get a lot of time on screen. Fair enough, but there's yeah. one scene I noticed which is interesting, where the ma- the main raider leader of these these guys he decides he, like he asks why the sheriff won't let him just like because like, there's a sheriff who's like trying to like trying to keep the peace like very, very lightly. He's like, look, you can't do this. Like like they have, like we're just going after Bucket Beach. You can't go after the wagon. And so this racist guy like. He, instead of like 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 he literally like pulls a knife on this guy and it's implied that he kills the sheriff. Yeah. And the, this choice I think is brilliant because it highlights not just the evil of racism but the hypocrisy. Because racism is a vile, horrible ideology. But more than that, it's fucking stupid. Like the like think about it. These these same people who are claiming that they're on the right side of the law for for doing for like trying to do a horrible committing a horrible vile act against people just for the color of their skin. They will. St- they will immediately turn around and kill a sheriff, a white sheriff, if that means that it'll protect their bottom line. If it means they'll get right. to kill more people, like it's like to quote my to, like rednecks are supposed to be about supporting the law, but if it's not on their side. They'll literally stab you in the back like this guy. It's complete stupid bullshit. But Sidney Poitier, Harry Palafonte, Ruby D, Ernst Canoy, and other activists like them—they're goats. And the thing about goats is they don't have time for stupid bullshit. They're too busy being fucking goats. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah man. 16-hour work days. Sorry, yeah, man, sorry. good good takes. But something I wanted to touch on, too, is the, the core relationship between Buck and the Preacher. Yeah. Which I actually really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, like, starting off, it was like that typical, like, oh, we we don't like each Friends. other. You're, you're taking my shit. You're da-da-da. Tuco and Blondie kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. That's what reminded me of a lot. I was like, this reminds me of, like, Tuco and Blondie. Um, and then, like, you know, over the, the course of the film, like, through circumstance, really, they, they end up finding this common ground, and, yeah. and they end up working together to, to help these people. But beyond that, they actually form a more personal uh, relationship yeah. that I thought was pretty solid. It's not like, you know, it's not like anything too deep, but it's like, you know. But they, they understand their, yeah, like, what they need to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. And, like, Buck is, Buck and Preacher are just so badass like yeah like, especially the preacher by the end like at first i was like this guy and then like over the course i was like okay this guy's actually pretty cool I yeah like him. and like especially like buck has these really cool lines where like people keep asking why are you doing this like why are you gonna die from me he's like no one else is gonna do it i mean that's not full, verbatim what he says but yeah. basically what he's getting at and uh also the other thing is what i what i really was fascinated by was when i thought about it for a little bit 
it, like I couldn't put my finger on, but until I realized a little bit ago, clicked. I think they're the rockiness of their relationship, and but the common ground they also have at the same time. Maybe I'm wrong for this. It reminds me a bit of like MLK and Malcolm X in a way. Would you? Would you, does that make sense? Yeah, almost. Because like, they did have very different like ideals. Yeah. But like the thing is, like they were both were both working towards fighting. Yeah, the know, same thing. Abuse and like what's interesting is that like while they have like like the thing is. Like there's a lot of movies and shows and stuff like you know like X Men or something that like have Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King characters. The the thing with those is like they sometimes do a bad job of making the Malcolm X character the bad guy, which I don't really like. Yeah. The thing is here they're both like yeah we're obviously not in the wrong here. Like they show both of them as like like their relationship is like it's so complex and interesting to me because yeah. like they they because they like what's interesting is like they they form like these. They figure out how to like manipulate people based on their prejudices. You know, like remember that scene where which was like the scene where like uh, the preacher does the sermon in front of the the main racist guy. And, like, yeah, like he's kind of playing into stereotypes. May be a little offensive to some people, viewers. If so, uh, totally understandable. But what's interesting to me is that like he's like using those stereotypes against the people who are who, who perpetuate them, and immediately like because they're so distracted by him, by this like this this act he's putting up basically. Buck is able to just swing in and be like, I'm Buck, and shoot them all up. This is maybe my favorite movie scene ever now. But yeah. I digress. Yeah, I love and I love how he doesn't like he doesn't sneak in there or anything. He just no. walks in and he's like, surprise, motherfucker. And just fucking he's such a simple destroys him. too, but Poitier he's like, Yeah, I know how cool I'm gonna look for this. Yeah, exactly. This. And, it, and he does look cool doing yeah, it. Yeah, and something I also love is like how the preacher, like how he's just like not a preacher but he's just like the whole time he's pretending to be yeah it's like something and 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 you can definitely tell it shows that he's not actually this is actually what he does he has a but gun it, in the bible yeah exactly. <laughs> it's so hilarious it's that's so what cool. makes that scene that you were just talking about way funnier because you're just like sitting there like yeah this, this is complete <laughs> bullshit <laughs> and he knows it's bullshit too yeah. like he knows that like, these people are completely full of it and that's why it's so fun to see them like get back at them in a way exactly but yeah 10 out of 10 check it out it's freaking awesome yeah you got anything else you wanted to add about it? Uh, no, you pretty much touched on a lot. <laughs> huh? It was a good movie. Really good movie. Really good. Everybody needs to check out more of Sidney Poitier's work. He's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go through more, so, more of his filmography after yeah, this. Yeah, me too. He's really good. All right. That was pretty good. Uh, let's see. 18 minutes in. We're actually doing pretty early. Um, what we've been watching today. Or lately, I mean. I can't think straight. Um, you, can, you can go first. Okay. So, actually, Valentine's Day was this previous week, and my girlfriend and I, we decided to watch Before Sunset, the second entry and my now favorite entry in the Before Sunset trilogy, which is a, a series from- It was Before Midnight before, right? Well, it used to be Before Midnight, the last one, but now I think it's Before Sunset, just because I, I'll explain in a second. So like, it's a romance trilogy from Richard Linklater, who did these amazing movies like Boyhood and um, and Slacker and- School uh, of Rock. <laughs> School of Rock and Disputes, which are also amazing movies. But the point of yeah, is he's a very versatile director, but. The Before Trilogy is the best thing he's ever made, and the before, and it's one of my favorite movie series ever. And what I was interesting to me is that like it's about these it's about these two lovers played by Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, who they meet over the course of several years, several several years apart. So, like each film takes place nine years apart, both in real time and in theatrical releases. So, it, so oh, I didn't actually, know he did the real time thing. Yeah, so it's like a boyhood type a little deal. bit. Yeah, and yeah. it's like he plays around with that so much. And the reason why Before Sunset is such a beautiful movie to me is because. It's right in the middle of this, this really interesting relationship where they haven't seen each other in nine years. But right to that point, uh, uh, Ethan Hawke's character, um, uh, Jesse, he's written a book about that night they spent the first night together. 
and that book became famous. And that's how Celine reconnects with him in Paris during the second one. And what really struck me about this viewing is that, well, let me pull it up. So like, there's a scene right at the beginning where he's talking about like uh, an idea he has for a movie or a book. I mean, I, wow, I'm that pathetically predictable. <laughs> I said pathetically predictable. I did the Spider-Man joke before you did. Ha ha. Damn. Thing. Anyways, um, so there's this part where he's talking about like this idea for a move for a book where he's like he's like what if you like talk about like a like a guy who's just instantly transported into a past memory from when he's like 16 and he's like and he's, he's describing it as like in in that moment he's not really he's not rethinking that that moment he's there he's back in the past and what's really fascinating is that right right around that scene there's a part where you see like in movie flashbacks to the first movie before sunrise where you see like their relationship and you see them falling in love again. And it's all silence, but you just hear the voiceover of Jesse talking about it. And he's reflecting, you know, like, can you go back to the past and just like relive it? Because like to him in that moment, it's real. And something really profound struck me in that moment. Whereas where it was like, like because of the nature of film, because it's a fake, it's a, it's a trick. It's an illusion. The past, present and future are all the same. Like you could be experienced like, when, like for example, in like Casablanca, where we flash back to them in Paris, that's not that's not like just them rethinking it. We're not seeing a like a like a distant memory. That's the movie. That's the real thing, and that's so profound to me that like movies hmm. can do that. Too. Yeah, that's. And the other reason I like this movie is also because like I knew it was something special when I saw it before midnight in in high school. But I was like, you know what? So special. I'm gonna save it till um. I'm gonna save watching the rest of this till I find the right person. I find someone special, and then guess what happened last year? Wow. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. Also, this I don't think we've ever addressed this, but this podcast is named named after a joke us. in that movie. Yeah. And before sunrise, yeah. In the before sunrise. So, like, you want to explain it, or you you want to? Uh, you you know it better than me. Yeah. So we, we'll definitely cover this pot this trilogy. I want to do like eventually like an episode just covered the whole all three movies because they're incredible. If that's okay with you. But, yeah, that's fine. But or would you rather it be three episodes in a row of each uh, one? Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll figure. We'll play it by ear. But. Anyways, in the beginning of when they first, when these two lovers who first meet in Vienna in this first movie from like 1995, I think, called Before Sunrise, they meet up on a train in Vienna. They decide, you know what, we're just going to spend the day together before we leave. That's why it's called Before Sunrise, because they spend a night together. And the first thing they do when they get in Vienna is they meet these two guys, like, who are just like talking on, like, on a bridge in Vienna. And they're like, hey, what's some cool stuff we can do in Vienna? And they talk about, like, you know, like different places they go, different shops and, like, like tourist attractions. And they say, Oh yeah. Also, we have, he and I. These we're we're doing a play tonight. We're like, we're having a play with our friends. It's called "Bring Us the Horns of Wilmington's Cow," and I thought that's bizarre. I'm gonna make that my podcast name now. <laughs> yeah. And like, what's funny is that my like I was talking. I love this trilogy so much. So I'm watching my girlfriend, and we, we were like, you know, it's funny because she also loves something. She also loves is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, which is like a, a spinoff play based on these two side characters from um from Hamlet. And I was just mentioned just the other night when we were watching Before Sunrise. Like this is how great movies are. Like I keep getting new jokes and new experiences when you rewatch them. It's like when I saw good Before, movies. Yeah, 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 not like bad movies. But anyways, well sometimes like The Room. But <laughs> but when I saw Before Sunrise, I was like, you know, I just realized like because the funny the joke at the end of Before Sunrise is they don't go see that play and like right as they're like like right as they're like swooning and like holding each other on like a this like beautiful like nearby beautiful fountain. And they're enjoying the sunrise. They're like, ah, shit, we forgot to see the play. Which is like a really <laughs> funny moment. And I thought to myself, you know what I just realized? That play is the equivalent of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead for the before trilogy. <laughs> and that's so funny to me because my, my girlfriend loved that because like she, she loves that play so much. That actually reminds me of a funny story. I literally just happened last night. Yeah. At the time of us recording this, 
um, my, my girlfriend and I were supposed to go see a play last night and um, we we were running like five minutes. We were like five minutes late mm-hmm. and we were like, oh, we got to go. And so we go into the, the place and like doors closed already. So I was like, oh, you got to go up on the balcony. And we're like, oh, okay. And we like go up there. We take a program. We up on the balcony. Yeah. We walk in and we're like, we're sitting there for a minute. And I'm kind of puzzled because I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't seem right. Cause we were supposed to see a, like a, a play that was like a, a Greek, like about Greek mythology or something like mm-hmm. that. And we're sitting there watching it and we, we walk into a play about like abortion rights and stuff. Oh, and wow. I'm sitting there like, what's going on here? And so we look at our programs. I this in Plato. <laughs> yeah, we look at our programs and we're like, oh, this isn't the right place. And it turns out we came into like the tail end of it. I mean, what we saw was really good though. Yeah. But we, it was just funny because we were sitting there laughing. Like, we're just like, we're yeah. in the wrong place. Because it turned out the, the play we were supposed to see was in a different building. <laughs> and I was just like, well, that's 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 our life. <laughs> you know, dude, actually, can I go on another story? Yeah. This is a story episode. Story time. This is our, this is our new, new fun episode. Introducing new segment called Story Time. Yeah. So we have a fun. So, like, when I. You remember The Lighthouse, right? 2019. Yeah. Probably one of the best movies of that year. I, maybe not my favorite, but definitely one of the best. So. Uh, I was excited to see that as shit because every film nerd I knew was just raging about that. They loved that movie. And it, and it was, it's a great movie. I've seen it a couple of times. It's really fantastic. Check it out. But anyways, so I get to there. I lived in Auburn, Alabama when I used to go to Auburn University as an engineer. Uh, fun fact wow, was me. that back in 2019? 2019, yeah. Wow. I, I, that was the last year I was there. And at the time... Yeah, because we met in 2020, right? Or... Is it 2021? 2020 or 2020. Maybe it was 2020, actually. Because that was when we were filming uh, a student project. Anyways. But anyways, um, so yeah, I I took my roommate and I to go see Lighthouse. Like, we got to see this now. But the thing is, Auburn, Alabama is right on the border between Georgia and Alabama. And the only theater I could get that I knew was that was playing Lighthouse was an AMC in Georgia. So we drive there. And um, I forget a little something about what happens when you cross the border between Auburn and Georgia. The time zone. The time zone shifts. Because of the 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 time zones in America, like you fall, you lose an hour, and so when I got to the theater, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, so like when I when I got to the theater, I I, I realized I was running just a little bit late, so I thought to myself, okay, this is like when I get to the scene, I'm, I I started right, I remember this vividly. I started right, I even got like a big pizza and some cola because I was like so excited. I was like, this is gonna be the movie experience of the year, and great movie theater experience. One little problem. I was an hour late to it because of this oh, time zone. Oh, shit. And I got in there, and I'm like, huh, this scene with, with we got to the scene where um, where Willem Dafoe and uh, and um, Robert Pattinson are first getting drunk, you know, like after, on their last night where they're supposed mm. to leave the island. I'm not going to tell you what happens after that. But I yeah. get there, I'm like, wow, this is a very experimental way to start a movie. I've never thought of it like this. Damn. And then an hour passes, I see so many twists. I'm like, I'm very What's confused. What's the runtime of that movie? About an hour, two hours, I think. I, and so, so like, how long did it take you to realize? Well, here's the thing. This is gonna this is gonna be not my proudest moment. I watch it. I'm just I'm like, you know what? I don't care. This is weird. I'm just enthralled by how experimental <laughs> this is. And then the credits roll an hour in. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize it till the end of the movie Damn. that I missed it. That's hour. actually a cool way to experience a and movie, like, though. And I turned to Alan. I go, I we missed the first hour, and he was like, dang it, dude. And we were just pissed that i was i was so pissed that i'm surprised they let you in after that long yeah like like literally i remember i remember because i remember one time we got turned away for showing up to a movie too late yeah i remember this vividly like when i got to the um the theater the screening the late like i asked two tickets to lighthouse she goes the lighthouse i go yeah and she's like okay sure (laughs) that was weird but okay get some cold get some 
pizza. Let's go rock and roll. And then I missed the first hour of the movie. But I eventually saw it on my own. Yeah. And it's still 10 out of 10 masterpiece. So everybody. So did you think of it as a 10 out of 10 when you first saw it? Still did. But I was yeah. like, I need to see this, the rest of this. Yeah. But that was the last day it was screening. I was so mad. I was like, I missed yeah. the best movie of the year first half. At least I saw the ending. Wait, was that was back in what 2019. year? 2019. Was that the best year? I thought it was. Nah, or or Par- Parasite would win. Personally, I year. thought Knives Out and Parasite were the two best of that year, but. Lighthouse is definitely top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty nineteen was the year for film nerds. Apparently, absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's why. That's uh, when I feel like for around the time I was first like like gonna start film school because mm-hmm. I um I was still in high school. Yeah, and so I remember just like seeing people rave about these movies because I was still a casual back then. So mm-hmm. I just remember people like raving about these movies I'd never heard of. I'm like, what are these movies? Yeah, I need to check them out. It's there. It was a fun <laughs> year. I, I I can't say I'm nostalgic for twenty nineteen, but I do miss the movies from that year because they yeah. were fun. They were really good, but. Anyways, yeah, what have you been watching? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, um, at the time of this recording, it's, it's, what, Sunday? So, Ant-Man came out Friday. I saw it Friday night. Oh, yeah. Um, it was all with a buddy of ours, Eric. Shout out in front of the show. Eric Mendiola? Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. It look, it's, Ant-Man's it's, not my favorite, personally. Ant-Man, I actually like, I like, I thought the first one was decent. The yeah. second one was very forgettable. This one also forgettable. Yeah. Um, I just it's it's an MCU movie that's for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of tired of them now. I, Almost, mean, I like I like some of them. Like it's like, actually like what's funny to me is typically when it comes to like MCU stuff, my standards are so low. I just simply want to go in, be entertained for like an hour, two hours, however yeah. long. That's fair. And then you know I'm good. Which is why I feel like when it comes to a lot of Marvel movies, I, I'll watch it and be like, oh, I enjoyed that. That was cool. And then like just go online and see a bunch of people hating on it. I'm like, oh, exactly. okay. But this time I feel like, I mean, I still haven't like really looked at a lot of reviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go, didn't do that going in because I just wanted to like have my own experience with it. Yeah. And I was like, as I was watching it, I wasn't like, huh, I'm really enjoying this. I was sitting there like, this is like painfully average average i was like this is like this is so mediocre even for the mc this is like i don't know it was so strange there was just a lot of stuff that was just like it didn't make sense there were a lot of things that were just throw away that were just there for like i guess comedic effect or something not even good comedic effect it wasn't funny i mean the movie had did have some funny moments like laugh out loud moments but like a lot of it was just like you know you know what that means congratulations eric you got superhero fatigue. <laughs> yes, I it mean, I, I mean, I already had it, but like, I was just like, <laughs> man, like, and especially considering like the look of this movie, yeah. like the way the trailers made it seem like this was gonna be like a big like thing for the MCU but as a whole. Man, come on, which guys. it kind of still is somewhat, but it played it so safe. Yeah. I wanted like, I wanted. I'm not gonna say too many like things out or like spoiler because it did just come out. Yeah, but man, like, I was just like, by the end, I was like, this is just a joke yeah this is a joke this like this is some serious this is some real shit that could have serious implications for the mcu as a whole and you guys are like taking it lightly like this is this is this is crazy or or, i should say this could be crazy but it's but it's not and i'm just like come on why is this and i know i always talk about how like i like when superhero movies especially in like a shared universe are more Mm self-contained but I feel like this one is almost self-contained to a fault to where, yeah. it's, where it's like you have this this person mm-hmm. who could seriously 
like change the shape of the MCU and like the the multiverse or mm. whatever they've got going on, and yet this still feels like you're you're focusing too much on just like the the ant. I'm gonna call them the ant family for lack of a better word. <laughs> Which is like would be cool if you weren't dealing with such a, you know, powerful force. Yeah. I was like, I feel like they need to do more here. And also just there was a lot of, you know, character development that I feel should have been had. Yeah. Like the movie just kind of like jumps right into the quantum quantum realm stuff. I don't even like the title. Quantum Mania is just yeah, a stupid quant- title. I'm sorry. Ant-Man uh, and the Woman Quantum Maniacs or something, whatever it's called. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. <laughs> that's a stupid Yeah, title. and I'm like, sorry. I don't know. And they say quantum after every freaking sentence. And you know what I, you know what I also... I'm sorry. I, I had to rant it a little bit again. You know what I don't like about superhero movies now? Actually, ever? They're all just titled the the superhero or like this, the name of the superhero. Ant-Man, Spider-Man, Batman. Name it something else, guys. Yeah. Come on, just give it give it a creative name for once. Like it's not you can do the bare minimum. You're not a Geico commercial. Yeah, at this point we kind of already know. But like, I don't know, man. It was what was I saying before? Oh yeah, the movie just kind of felt rushed. It yeah. was like you 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 could have taken the time cuz it's only 2 hours and like a few minutes. You could have taken the time in the beginning to like, you know, Easy have more exposition because what they do is they do it so cheaply where they have like I don't want to say, but screw it. Scott Lang writes a book, right? And like the the beginning of his like he na- he's he's narrating like the the events and like you know as a way of like catching up. Like what if what like, has, like, a, like a paper book? Yeah, like yeah, like what has he's like reading it? Oh, and he's like, oh, like what? Let's see what what, what Scott Lang has been up to over there since like Endgame or whatever whatever last movie we saw him yeah. in was. Listen, listen, I like Paul Rudd, next next guy, great guy, but I yeah, it just felt him. weird. It didn't fit. It did. It just felt so off and i was like what are they doing here and man it really sounds like i hate this movie it's okay yeah exactly that's the problem but that's the problem yeah that's it's the problem. we don't want okay movies on yeah like i'm tired i'm tired of it like like especially coming off of wakanda forever that movie i that really like that movie yeah and you also, you know how you have movies like Shang, Shang-Chi and like Spider-Man. You had, you, like the MCU is capable of making yeah, good movies. A little better here and there in the last yeah. few days. But they're so the, Gar- the Guardians movies, look at those yeah. movies. Those are pretty good. The problem like, is they, have, they just, like in between those like really cool moments that they can do some creative stuff, there's like a dozen just filler bullshit like yeah. bo- movies. Like, and that's what this, that's that, you know what, that's what this, this feels like filler bullshit, Thank but you. it's not because it's actually important. Yeah. But they, but they just made it feel like it's not important. If that if that makes sense, yeah. it's just like you you could like I could sit here and say, oh, you can skip this movie, but in reality, it's a, it's actually important. Yeah, but they don't make it. But they million dollar movie. But they don't make it. They don't make it interesting enough. Like yeah. I can't justify you like like saying, yeah, pay to go see this movie. Just wait for it to hit Disney Plus in like the next couple exactly. weeks because it takes two seconds for them to put movies on Disney Plus anyway. <laughs> exactly. So there's there's there are my thoughts on on Ant Man. It's it's okay. Yeah. It's it's an okay movie, but that's at this point I feel like my standards for the MCU need to stop being, oh, I'm just looking for entertainment because at this point it's frustrating because it's like this stuff could be so cool. Exactly. Like you look at your source material, look at all the comics you have to work with. Yeah. Look at how well they do it. Why is this an issue? Wow. Eh, I don't know. Well put. Well put. All I'm going to say on that on that note is uh, I'm still looking at Baby Driver poster I have right now. Which I'm gonna watch for my birthday in a few weeks with a big screening. Stay tuned. That's gonna be a fun experience. But all I'm gonna say is, uh, Baby Driver was delayed for a couple of years because Edgar Wright's uh, 
uh, was was on on in the works to make Ant Man. He left. Ant-Man. That's right. I forgot he was supposed he to do that. He left Ant Man because it was because Marvel just didn't want to make an Edgar Wright film. He said, "I wanted to make a Disney film. Disney didn't want to make an Edgar Wright film. That's all you need to know." Anyways, shame uh, for shame. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like they've gotten a little better with giving directors a little more creative freedom, mm-hmm. like with you know Sam Raimi and you know Multiverse of Madness and um. Uh, was it Zoe? Chloe Joe? Chloe Chloe Joe. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, with her stuff in Eternals, like, you know, but still, it's not, it's not where it needs to be. I feel like a lot of MCU stuff still feels kind of samey and they need more variety. You need energy in your movies. Yeah. Like, they're just, they're just trying to, it's like a, it's like a, uh, what's the word? They're just like pumping, they're just pumping shit out. There's a word for it that, um, YouTube critic uh, Adam Johnson of your movie sucks called it a factory movie. Yeah, fa- that's yeah, that's what they're that's what they're feeling like, and they felt like that for a while. Mm-hmm. But man, like, I know, I know, I'm going on a huge rant here. Well, this is the the episode of rants, huh? This is the episode <laughs> where we just like, okay, now you we put up with a lot of your BS Hollywood. Now it's yeah. your turn. Yeah, it's man. Yeah, but yeah. Anyways, uh, well, DC, DC, get Marvel. it together, Marvel, get, get it together. <laughs> Actually, stop making superhero films. Make yeah, at this point, stuff. just go back, watch cartoons and animated stuff and read yeah. comic books because, you know. Yeah, you don't need to watch it on a $150 million budget with a trillion. Yeah, what's, what's CGI that doesn't even look that great? Look exactly. at freaking Ad- Look at James Cameron. Look at what he's doing. Look at like, like Blade Runner 2049. It's amazing. Like, there's no excuses anymore. <laughs> no more excuses. Yeah, that's, that should be the title of this episode. No more. No, no, it shouldn't be. So, but well, maybe it should. But I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> uh, working title. Let's move on to working the last title. segment of the day because we're. Not we're actually doing still pretty good on time, but you know I'd like yeah. to keep it consistent schedule. So, what? How's your process for your zombie movie been going? Yeah, pretty good. I, uh, I, I think last time we talked, I was on fifteen beats, mm-hmm. getting my fifteen beats together. I did the forty beats, like the forty beat sheet, because yeah. you know we're doing it based on Zach, Zach Snyder's uh, way of doing it. Like Snyder, you mean? You said Zack Snyder. Did I say Zack Snyder? You did say Zack Snyder. Damn. I was like, they still got No, Blake Snyder. I, still have you in the pocket. Blake Snyder. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, that's another one. Jeez, you're still in my, my thunder. Um, <laughs> Sorry. You go ahead. Uh, yeah. Um, man, that's I can't believe we've had two Spider-Man jokes and they both came from you. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. Um, get together, Eric. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I've got my 40 beats. So we're about to move on to the outline process, but I'm pretty confident in it. I've got, um, you know... Uh, my characters together, my, you know, motivations, my villain. What I was really struggling with was like finding a, a good villain that yeah. like made sense. And I think I got it. Like I said, I don't want to reveal too much yet until I actually like start more of like the writing process, but it's yeah. going pretty well. What's the title of it? Do you know yet? The working ti- <laughs> the working title is still The Run, the Run because it's it's based off a short story I wrote in high school nice. with that, that name. But I might change it to something else. I'm not entirely sure yet. Yeah, I have a. I think I've decided to change my movie name back to Port City Break, just because. Mm. I mean, that's better than Blue Collar Ruffle. Like, what is Blue Collar Ruffle? Yeah, I actually really like Port City Break too. Yeah, and like this one, this has some. I'm not quite sure the direction of the end of the story yet. I'm thinking it's it's got heist film, so it's either going to be they get away or they don't. Pretty. Yeah, I, I don't want to you know, make like Citizen Kane. I'm just trying to like you know get my reps in, make a yeah. make a decent movie. It's fun. But like I do have some a cool a few cool scenes that I've written last week or so. So like um, I didn't do a good job explaining what the, the idea behind my movie was. Essentially, like w- the opening scene starts off with like these these non connected segments of different people like getting day jobs and like w- working through their daily grind and stuff. And you don't know who they are, what they're connected to, until one of them makes a call to the others and they decide, okay, yeah, we're robbing a bank now. That's what I meant to say last week. 
So if you guys were confused about the the, the gist of my movie, there you go. But now the I've introduced uh, a couple new interesting characters into that mix. We've introduced character. We've introduced the main guys, and they're like they're gonna plan to rob the bank and whatnot. So now we moved on to a second scene where these guys, where these these um two guys who are detectives are they pull up to a, a car on the side of the road that a guy is looking at. Turns out that car has been stolen and he's retrieved it, but the license plates are gone, but there's stickers on the car. So they peel off those stickers, they look at them. It's a rat sticker and a departed poster sticker. They realized <laughs> this is from our informant. This is a message he's sending us. They peel off another sticker, a Wilmington sticker. That's where the informant's headed. They peel off another sticker, another one, another one. He ke they keep peeling back the messages in the layers. As they do so, they realize, oh, it's a poster for the, the movie bank job with Jason Stateman. Jason Statham. <laughs> Jason Stateman. Yeah, but they realize, oh, our informant's trying to tell us that he's headed to Wilmington to rob a bank. That's what they realize. But right, but here's the thing. That scene is intercut with another part where this guy who was with the car, he he goes into their car and notices that, hey, there's a Christmas tree light in their, a Christmas tree, in, or a scented tree in their dashboard. I'm like, what's this doing in a cop car? Then he looks up and notices that, like, in, earlier in the scene, the guy was, like, like rummaging with, like, a, a paper bag that he was, like, eating a sandwich out of, and he tries to stuff it into a, a, um, a the glove box with a bunch of napkins, but he can't get it closed because there's so many in there. He just gives up. And then he looks into the car at the tree, looks down, he notices something in the glove box, pulls it out. It's a Halloween police costumes bag sticker. He pulls it out, shows them. He goes, you guys aren't real cops. <laughs> they shoot him dead. They're fake cops. Damn. That's the scene. End scene. Yeah. Wow. That's that's what I've got so far. <laughs> so what? So what? Um, I have a question about like the message. Like yeah. what? What made you like pick those particular beats thing, things? Like the oh the the stickers you mean? Yeah. yeah like for so, the message. Like how'd you come up with that? I came with uh so actually my girlfriend because like she likes stickers and like she always likes playing around with them and I like posters. And I'm like, huh? What if it was like they were trying to send a message? I don't know how I came up with that. It was just kind of like. Like just, just like one of those things that comes to you. Yeah, I yeah. mean, not comes to me, but like it just takes a lot of thinking and like, yeah. how do I do this scene? Like, I have the gist of a scene. It's it's like you know, you yeah, take, exactly. You take a mold of clay. Now you just gotta like refine it a little bit. Yeah, like, I hate that. It's like you, I have this really cool scene idea, but how can I make yeah. it work? But like once you actually practice and keep on rewriting, keep thinking, it actually it can be really cool. Yeah, it can be a fun experience. In fact, yeah. All right, um, we didn't do any. We're we're kind of low on Q and A's recently. We're gonna try a new yeah. segment maybe next week about called we're calling it ABQ answers before questions instead of Q and A. It'll be a funny little segment where we like we we ask people, hey, what do you think of our top four letterbox on our Instagram page? And if you guys want to check head over to our Instagram page, we have that now, and hopefully that'll be a hopefully hopefully you guys got some cool answers for us. Yep. Yeah. That was. What do you think? Was that a fun episode? I think so. Yeah. That was a really good episode. I think. Especially having what we take a week off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, so happy Black History Month, everybody. Absolutely. We'll be back with another one for you next week. Uh, uh, Do the Right Thing was Eric's pick. Yep. Yep. And that'll be another one of my top 10 favorite movies. Yeah. You have a poster of it right now. Yeah. yeah. And it'll, uh, it's even, again, Ruby D, uh, Ruby D from Buck and the Preacher. Yep. She's, she's going to be in that too. So. Yeah. Well, we'd like to thank you all for watching. And wish you all true and false. A very pleasant good evening.